Well, it's good to see everybody out. We join Randy and welcome everybody out on a kind of a cool, rainy morning, but uh, certainly warm and toasty in here and the privilege for us to come together to worship and to exalt our maker, and that is our creator God, and uh, to give uh, praise and honor to his son Jesus who came and died on the cross. This morning we want to talk about the human soul. That's our topic for this morning. And when we look at the human beings, really there are fundamental two, two parts to man. We have the outward man and we have the inward man. And basically that's the picture that is painted in the scriptures when we talk about human beings. We have an outward man, we have an inward man. An outward man, inward man. An outward man, we see it. We, you know, we look in the mirror, we can perceive that and touch it, uh, etc. But the inward man, we don't see that. It's invisible. Uh, we're not able to see that. And, uh, but that's basically when we talk about human beings, we have those two parts. So the first thing we want to talk about is what is the soul? Now, when we look at the word soul, there are three general uses in the scriptures of this term soul. First off, when we talk about the soul, there is the animation, that is the, 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 the life force, just uh, what animates us, that gives us life. For instance, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 17, verse 11, it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, when the, you look at this word life, it is from the word nephesh, that is in other places, it's translated soul. Life, or the soul of the flesh is in the blood. And what we're talking about is the life force, the animation. And in a very similar way, of course, when we talk about human beings uh, and animals, we share uh, something very similar. For instance, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, talking about on the sixth day of creation when God created the, uh, the animals, uh, the land-breathing creatures, it says in verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kinds cattles and creeping things and beasts of the earth and after their kinds and it was so. Now that phrase living creatures, you have two words. One of the words is the word nephesh that's translated soul and what are we talking about? That is talking about uh, just the, the force of life, the animation, that is that we're uh, living, breathing creatures just like animals. And in that sense, we share with animals in that we eat, animals eat, they breathe, we breathe. You know, they reproduce, we reproduce, they sleep, we sleep, they drink, we drink. They have blood that pulsates through their body, we have blood that pulsates through our body. They have life, they have this animation, this life force. And in that sense, sometimes the word soul refers just to animal force, animal life, vitality of life. And then sometimes the word soul refers just to the whole person, the entire person. For instance, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Who formerly were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was prepared, being prepared, by which a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Eight souls, that is, these eight people, that is the entire person, their body, the outward man, the inward man, uh, yes, the whole, referring to the whole person, eight souls were saved by water. And so sometimes the word soul refers to the whole person. And then sometimes the word soul refers to this inward man that's made in the image of God. 
that is different from uh, the outward man. And we see that, for instance, in the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. <clears throat> fear not them who can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, Jesus says, don't fear, that is, don't put overemphasis in respecting humanity. We are to respect humanity, but don't fear them more so because the worst they can do is kill the body. They're not able to kill the soul. So therefore, this is talking about the inward person that's made in the image of God that man cannot kill. Now, you can kill the body, the animation of life, that is, by taking a gun or taking a knife and slitting somebody's throat and all the blood pours out, and the person dies. But you can't kill the soul because Jesus says they're not able to kill the soul. So we're talking about this part, this inward man, this invisible part that's made in the image of God when we use the word soul in that sense. And so that's a use of the word soul. And many times, <coughs> many times, that's what we're talking about when we use the word soul. We're talking about this inward person that's made in God's image. And it's like a lot of words that are in the Bible. Sometimes they have one meaning, sometimes they have another meaning. It's like the word wine. Sometimes it refers to alcoholic wine. Sometimes it just simply refers to grape juice. Context is the determination. It's like the word temple. Sometimes the word temple means the physical structure that was built in Jerusalem. Sometimes it means the local church. And sometimes it means the human body. The word temple is used in different senses. And so it is with the word soul. There are different uses in the Bible. Generally, when we use the word soul, we're talking about this inward man that's made in the image of God. Now, there are two... Uh, uh, definitions we have first off here the definition from the Hebrew nephish properly a breathing creature is Mr. Strong definition that is animal or abstractly vitality used widely in literal or accommodated or figurative sense bodily or mental and then the word psych uh, that is the ideal breath that's the New Testament word uh, that's where we get the word psychology that is talking about the soul uh, breath, that is, by implication, spirit. Now we're just talking about the spirit. Uh, abstractly or concretely, the animal or sentence principle only, thus distinguished on the one hand from uh, that Greek word 4151, which is the rational and immortal spirit, and on the other from uh, the, uh, which is mere vitality even of plants. Now, it's interesting, I've got it highlighted in red. In both the definitions, you've got breathing and breath, and there's a reason why in the definition of the term soul, both Old Testament and New Testament has breath, because breathing is the evidence that we have life, that the inner man is yet in the body. Because in the definition of death, which means separation, James chapter 2 and verse 26, it says, for the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without works is dead also. So when you separate the outward man and the inward man, the outward man dies in this separation. But as long as they're joined together, the evidence that people are alive, it's like, here's this baby laying, laying real still, and you, you sort of look, and it's like, oh, you, you, you see the little chest move up while they're breathing, while they're okay, they're still alive. We don't think nothing about it. And, and, and that's why in the definition you have the idea of breathing and breath, because it's evidence that this inward man, the vitality, is yet in the body. But those are in the biblical definitions of the Bible words. But these are the three uses that the word soul is found. 
the animation, the life force, the vitality, uh, the whole person, and this inner man made in the image of God. <clears throat> now, when you talk about the soul, soul and spirit many times are just equal terms, referring to this inner man made in God's image. If you're talking about the spirit of man, you're talking about the part that's made in God's image. You're talking about the soul of man, you're talking about the part that's made in the image of God. Generally, that's what we're referring to when we talk about this inward man. They're used as synonyms. That is, words that mean the same or uh, practically the same. And so they would be equal terms. They're used interchangeably in the scriptures. That's just the way the scriptures use it. But, for instance, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, you've got three terms. Generally, we look at human beings, we got outward man, inward man, outward man, inward man, inward man, outward man, two parts. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, there are three terms that are used in reference to man. And so it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. <clears throat> and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in this text, three parts to human beings that are described in the text. So what are they? Well, the body would be the outward man. We can touch it. That's our, that's our flesh. See, you can touch your flesh. You, you can feel your flesh, the outward man. That would be the body. Then the soul would refer then to animal life. That is what animates our body, gives it life and vitality. That is similar to dogs and cats and that they have animal life and vitality. And so then in this text, I believe, would refer to the animal life. But then the spirit, that's the part that's made in the image of God. And that, that's how I would use these two uh, these two terms together is the soul refers to the animal life and then the spirit refers to the inner man that is made in the image of God. That is unique. That is different. Animals don't possess a spirit that is made in the image of God. Do they have vitality in life? Yeah, they have vitality in life and they are living creatures, but they're not made in God's image and that's what makes us uh, different. And so, of course, our greatest concern would be this inward man that's made in God's image because we are morally accountable creatures. Now, when we talk about the soul, let's talk about the origin of the soul and the creation of human beings. God created both the outward man <coughs> and the inward man. He, he created both. In Genesis chapter 2, I want you to notice in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. <clears throat> now, this word formed is an interesting term. We're going to talk about that. But he formed man of the dust of the ground. That is, human beings, our outward man is made from dust. It's just the basic elements that are out in dirt. And with dust, he takes dust, and the other component is water. Where human beings are like 60-something percent uh, water. I think babies uh, have a little bit more, uh, but uh, we have about 60, 67%, 60-65% water, and then dust, and that's what makes up the human body. And so the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils uh, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And then in verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he had put the man whom he had formed. He formed. He formed man. He formed the outward man. He he molded and shaped, just like you were molding clay. 
I remember when we were in art class in school, <clears throat> in grade school, and I think I took uh, art once or twice in high school, but anyway, we would sometimes work with clay, and we would make like with the potter's wheel, or we'd make like a little figurine, and you would mold and shape that clay. Well, God took clay, that is dust and water, and he formed cells and bones and, and uh, muscles and etc. of forming the outer man. But then notice there in the book of Zechariah, chapter 12, and verse 1. This is quite interesting. <clears throat> and the burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel says, The Lord, who stretches forth the heavens <clears throat> and lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. And that word form, it's the same word used where God formed the body from the dust of the ground. He took dust and water and he formed the outward man, just like a, uh, somebody with clay working to form a figurine, a pot or whatever. God formed from dust the outward man. And then this text says that God formed the spirit of man, whatever spirit is that he formed it, just like uh, somebody molding clay, shaping clay. So God formed the outward man, and God formed the inward man, the text tells us. And so he created both. And, of course, uh, that's the basic idea of human beings, that we are the outward man and the inward man. Now, we are the spiritual offspring of God. There are several texts that talks about this. First off, in the book of Genesis chapter 1. In verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image. He's not talking about the outward man, but he's talking about the inward man. That he's going to make man in our image. Our is plural, <clears throat> the plural pronoun our. And after our likeness, that is, we're made in the image of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit would be the point. And we're made after his likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image God created him. <coughs> Male and female created he them. So God created man and woman in his image and his likeness. We look like God is the point. In the book of Genesis, uh, excuse me, in the book of Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. That is, upon death, you have the body going to the cemetery and decomposing back to dust. And it says, the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. That is, it comes under God's control as we go back to God, that he puts the, uh, the spirit where it waits, of course, for the ultimate resurrection and the final day of judgment. And then in the book of Acts 17, for Paul says, talking to the Athenian philosophers there, he says, For in him we live and move and have our being, verse 28, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So he quotes from one of the poets that talks about how we're the offspring of God. Paul says, well, ding, 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 that is correct. We are the offspring of God. Therefore, then, as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that deity is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's devices. Since we are made in God's image that we're his offspring, how, how can you describe spirit? Spirit's invisible. You can't describe something that's invisible. It's impossible. You can't say, well, it, it, it looks like this. We don't know what it looks like because it's invisible. 
It's like saying, well, what does the wind look like? Well, we don't know what wind looks like because we can't see wind. Can we see the effects of wind? Yeah, we can see the, the effects of the wind. We can see the grass waving. We can see trees. We can see leaves are rolling. We can see a Kentucky tumbleweed going across the road there. That's a, a Walmart bag, <laughs> you know, being blown in the wind. You don't, you don't see the wind. You see the effects of wind, but you don't actually see the wind because wind is invisible. <clears throat> and when we talk about the inner man, the spirit, the soul, I mean, people die and the soul separates, but we don't see the spirit leaving. We can see the body dying, the effect of death, of the separation of the inner man from the outer man. We see the body just dying. Yeah, we can see that evidence, but we don't actually see the soul. It's invisible. But it does exist. It, it is. It, it, it is exi existing, and it will continue to exist. And, and man can't kill that. Man, man doesn't have the capacity to kill the inward man, as Jesus talked about there. And then notice there in the book of Acts, uh, oh, oh, we're looking at Acts chapter 17. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. It says, furthermore, we have had our fathers who, uh, of our flesh who corrected us, and we gave them reverence, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of the spirits and live? So we had physical fathers, that is, we get all these, these characteristics of human body, uh, the human body based on genetics of the mother and father that's sort of passed to us. And then the Hebrew talks about the father spirits, that's the inward man. That is, we're the offspring of God. We all bear the image of God. We're his spiritual offspring. We're made in his likeness. And why is it that we look like God? I mean, you read in the Bible about the hand of God, the eyes of the Lord over the righteous, etc. Is that why we look like God? Because we have eyes and hands? No. The reason we look like God is because our spirit, our inner man, has the characteristics and the nature of God. That is, we have intelligence like God. We have emotions like God. And we have the power of choice. And that's like God. Animals do not have that. Animals do not have emotions like we have, like God has. Animals do not have intelligence. You cannot explain to a cow that 2 plus 2 equals 4. You can talk to your blue in the face. They don't understand. They don't comprehend that type of abstract knowledge. They don't have that type of intelligence like human beings. And animals do not have the power to choose. That is, make moral distinctions. They, they, they don't have that capacity. But human beings do. And that's what makes us look like God, our inward man, our inward person, our spiritual sign. This inward man that looks like God because we are God's offspring. Now, when we talk about the topic of the human soul, we need to talk about the pollution of the soul. That is, because of the filth of sin, we have marred and polluted, we have contaminated the inward man with this problem called sin, because we have the power of moral choice. And we make bad choices in life, and therefore we pollute ourselves and contaminate ourselves spiritually with the problem of sin. When you turn to the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul states the thesis of the book of Romans, here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, if the gospel is God's power to salvation, both for Jew and Gentile, that includes all humanity, because either you were a Jew or a Gentile, and so if God's gospel is the power to salvation, Jew and Gentile, what is implied in that? Well, we're all lost. I mean, if we all need salvation, that means that we're all lost. And so that's what Paul does. In Romans chapter 1, he talks about how the Gentiles rejected God in their knowledge, and they became foolish and darkened in their hearts. 
They were not thankful to God. They changed the image of the incorruptible God based, uh, based upon all kinds of, of their think-sos, of their idolatry and idolatrous practices. They fell into moral anarchy of homosexuality and lesbianism and all the moral darkness that's described in Romans chapter 1. That's the Gentiles in sin. And then Paul paints the picture in chapter 2 that the Jews, they're, they're not any better off. They're guilty of sin just as much as the Gentiles. Yeah, they had privileges. Yeah, they had the law. They had advantages, but they didn't take advantage of it. And they sinned also. And so all of chapter 2 and a big chunk of chapter 3, he shows that the Jews are also under sin. And he says in Romans 3 verse 23, for all of sin comes under the glory of God. That's why we need the gospel. Because we've all been contaminated by the problem of sin. That's our biggest problem of humanity. It's not COVID. It's not a lack of money. It's not uh, racial inequality, etc., etc. Our biggest problem is the problem of sin. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, <clears throat> And you who, uh, you, uh, and you, has he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Yeah, that's us. Dead in trespasses and sin. <coughs> Verse 3. Verse 2. In which in times past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh and the children of disobedience. Paul talks about the Gentiles. They lived like the devil. They acted like the devil. They talked like the devil. They thought like the devil. They behaved like the devil. Yeah, that's the Gentiles. Yep, Paul sums them up there in verse 2. Verse 3. He says, among whom also we had our behavior in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as others. <laughs> we, we, we weren't any better off. We followed the ways of the devil just as much as the Gentiles. We're all under sin. We've all been polluted and contaminated by sin. Notice there in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you no longer walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Here we are in the vanity, emptiness of our mind. We just don't even have any clue of where we're going. Yep, that's humanity. That, that certainly sums up humanity for 2022. Yeah, that's what you see in the world today. Having an understanding darkened. Yeah, we've got plenty of that. Alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Yeah, lots of ignorance that is in the world. Uh, that is because of the blindness of their hearts. Yeah, we have people that are just ultimately... <laughs> utterly uh, spiritually blind, who being past feeling have given themselves over into licentiousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Yeah, that describes human beings. We are totally, thoroughly contaminated by sin. Then notice in the book of Colossians chapter 1, 21 22, Paul says, And you that were once alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, <clears throat> to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Yeah, we are enemies of God. An en enemy of God. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm not a Christian. That don't sound too bad. Well, I'm not a Christian. But what we mean by that is say, well, I'm an enemy of God. I'm at odds with God. I'm fighting against God. I'm alienated from God. I'm walking in the vanity of my mind. My heart is dark and I'm in rebellion and wickedness. That's what we mean when we say, well, we're not a Christian. 
because we are polluted and we are contaminated with this problem called sin. And yeah, that is a big problem. Now, if we stopped right here, it'd be pretty doom and gloom because it's a universal problem. For all of sin to come short of the glory of God. We're all we're dead in trespasses and sins, but there is a brighter side. Let's talk about the value of the soul in this topic, the human soul. Matthew 16 and verse 26. I got this one on the screen. Jesus asked two questions. And when you think about these two questions, they're, they're, they're very penetrating. They're very perceptive. It calls us to ponder. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Second question. Now what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For this inward man is made in God's image that we really truly do have possession over and we have the prerogative and the power of choice and control over when it comes to this inward man. What will we give in exchange? The devil comes and makes an offer. Hey, I'll take your soul. I'll trade you. And you just put in whatever you want. The biggest farm in the state of Kentucky. Make you famous the world around. Give you whatever whatever super-duper uh, sports car of your dreams, Lamborghini, whatever, fix it any way you want. You give me your soul, I'll give you this Lamborghini. I mean, what, what would we exchange for our soul? I mean, what, what could the devil offer to say, here, I'm going to give you this if you give me your, your soul. We'll just, we're going to even trade. Well, the point is, there's nothing that the devil could offer of this world that's going to be worth anything that's going to be a fair trade. Everything is a trade down to trade your soul for whatever the devil has to offer. <clears throat> and then the other question, for what does a man profit if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I mean, you could be real successful and you've got a good business and then you buy another business and another business. Next thing you know, you're buying all the businesses around Somerset and you're doing successful and you buy up. Pulaski County, and then you start buying all the surrounding counties because you're super successful. And uh, next thing you know, you're buying all the state of Kentucky, and you start buying all the states around, and you own all the southeastern United States, and then you own the whole United States, and then you start buying Canada and, and Central America, and then you buy all of South America, and you keep being super successful, and you buy everything in the world. Now you're the owner of everything. But then you lose your soul. What is the benefit? What, what are you going to be profited? Zip. Zero. Nada, because when you die, you're going to leave it all behind. You take nothing with you. That is for certain. We come with nothing. We leave with nothing. You know, we can lose a lot of things. We can lose, like, our keys. Now, that would be a big headache to lose your keys. Hopefully, you got other keys. Your spouse has other keys. You have keys in the house. And well, you can go get new keys made. And nah, I mean, it's a big headache, but yeah, that's why you always have an extra set of keys. Uh, you want to have a spare, because if you lose one, you'll be able to make another one. But that's not, that's a, it's a headache, but it's not the greatest loss. You can lose your wallet. You can lose your driver's license, your insurance card, your credit cards, uh, important pictures, whatever you might have. And that's a big headache. You can lose your house. You know, fire comes and destroys your house, and that's a major loss. You could lose your car. You'd be working on saving up for this car, this special truck, and somebody was careless and they crashed in it, and you lost your vehicle, your prize vehicle, maybe a vehicle that you restored and it gets demolished. 
You could lose a loved one in death. You could even lose your health. But if you lose your soul, ah, that's the greatest loss that we could ever suffer, is to lose our soul. What is a man profit if she gain the whole world and then lose his own soul? We have that which is most valuable, and that's our soul, and that's why it is most important. Now, when we talk about the human soul, we need to talk about this positive side. This is the good news. When we talk about the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ, the good news of Christ is that we have redemption. The redemption of the soul. Here we are, we stand condemned. Rightly so, nobody to blame but ourselves. We stand condemned, separated from God, enemies of God, but God offers us good news, that is, we can have our soul redeemed. Look there in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in whom, that is, in Christ, we have redemption. Redemption is the idea of being buying back. <clears throat> in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And it was by the grace and by divine favor that we can be forgiven, that we can be redeemed, that we can be uh, made right in the sight of God, bought back by this precious blood of Christ. Peter talks about this also in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning there in verse 18, since you know that you were not redeemed. Peter says you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold and dollar bills, but from your, from your vain manner of life received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. You were redeemed not with silver and gold and dollars, etc. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, Peter says. The precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, uh, but was made manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave, uh, gave him glory, uh, that through your faith you might have hope, uh, that, uh, and that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto, uh, uh, unto sincere love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart. And so we are redeemed, we're bought back, we're brought back from the condemnation of sin and transgression by the precious blood of Christ. That's what takes away our sin is the precious blood of Christ <coughs> that pays for our redemption. Notice what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning there in verse 21. For even to this end, uh, for even to this were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his step, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when, his who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Verse 24, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that is, on the cross. The cross was made from a tree. <clears throat> that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Redemption was paid by the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus was nailed to that old rugged cross. And he gave his life in order that we could be redeemed, that we could be built, be bought back, that our souls could be redeemed, and that we could be uh, saved, receive forgiveness of our sins. The human soul, 
One last point to give consideration as we think about the topic of the human soul, and that is the destiny of the soul. That is this inward man. There is an ultimate destiny. There are two choices that are described in the Bible. First off, let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 once again. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, And fear not them which can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him, that is, fear God, rather fear him. Have more fear for God, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's one destiny of the soul, one possibility to be destroyed in the place called hell, Gehenna Hellfire. Now, when it says that God is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, this word destroy does not mean, uh, it does not mean the idea of annihilation, but eternal punishment in Gehenna, not the loss of being, the word destroys, not the loss of being, but the loss of well-being. That is, we will be cast into the lake of fire. That's one destiny. That's the grace of God is trying to save us. When we talk about being saved, is to be rescued. Rescued from what? Rescued from the condemnation of sin. Rescued from divine judgment and the justice of God. <clears throat> That's what we are saved from is this eternal destruction. This eternal punishment that's described. That's one destiny of the soul. The flip side... 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. There's another term. Salvation, sometimes depending upon its use, has a little bit different meaning. Like we are saved from our sins. That is when we obey the gospel. We come up out of the water of the grave. We are saved. We receive salvation. All right, that's, in the, that's the initial uh, salvation here and now. That is, we, we are rescued from, from sin that, that, that we find forgiveness. But in this text, he says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul, is talking about the eternal salvation in this place called heaven. The eternal rescue that is to come. Because we have been forgiven by the grace of God, saved from our sins, then we receive the ultimate salvation at the end of our faith. The ultimate salvation is that we're taken to heaven, and that, of course, is the other ultimate destiny of souls. It's all dependent upon how we choose, how we act, what is our choice? Have we been redeemed? Well, we can be redeemed. And so the question is, as we extend the invitation, has your soul been redeemed? We're talking about your inward man, this, this part made in God's image, this inward person. The spirit made in God's image, the soul, has it been redeemed? If it has not been redeemed, it can be redeemed. And how so? With God's plan of salvation. That is, God gives us specific steps of what we must do to be saved. We hear this good news of Jesus Christ. Acts 2 and verse, 20, uh, verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. All right, so we hear the good news about Jesus dying upon the cross. <clears throat> We've got to believe that message. That, that's the fundamentals as Paul talks about there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and was raised from the dead. That's fundamental. That's the basis of our salvation, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. 
Are we willing to repent at the command of God? God commands all men everywhere to repent, Acts 17 and verse 30. Are we willing to confess Jesus before men, Matthew 10 and verse 32. And are we willing to be baptized? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And when we do these simple steps, we're going to find our souls redeemed by the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ, we will be washed in his blood. That is, he gave it conditionally. And then we're exhorted to be faithful unto death. And if we do err, come back to the repentance and prayer, just like the Aaron Christians did in Acts chapter 19. Now we're going to sing this song to your encouragement. If there's one here, even this morning, that your soul has not been redeemed, you can get it redeemed through the blood of Christ. We're here to assist you and help you. If we can help you in any way, you come and let us know. And bring your broken life to Christ, and we'll be glad to assist you. While together as we stand and as we sing.